Well, I, I would like to say that I listen to your show every morning when I'm working out, like with my biceps or triceps or quadriceps. Just today, I saw a chemtrail being sprayed. If it was a chemtrail, this might have been an, an interdimensional being. This is great. What a time to be alive. Charlie, what's your reaction to seeing this? I feel like I'm here at a historical moment in time. Taylor, how did you figure out a guy had a python in his pants? Python. Bloody, bloody, blah, 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 bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. Cooler. Yeah, baby. The Como Water Cooler with Charlie Harger and Taylor Van Size. Ah, yes, the Como Water Cooler. I'm Charlie, along with Taylor. And we have a big show today. People complain the presidential race seems like a reality show. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. So why not make the race into an honest-to-God reality show? Well, we'll talk to a producer doing just that. None of us had to say so in this mess. Also coming up... It's a big anniversary for a rap rock masterpiece. Why Walk This Way is still important 30 years later. Also on the way, Jeff Pogela with some hard-hitting research. Potatoes might not be good for you. Nanu, nanu. Wrong sound. May the force be with you. Nah, that, I think that's still wrong. Most illogical reaction. There we go. Corwin Hake heads up the new Star Trek exhibit at the EMP. That plus a story of a high-speed car crash and escape, a man and his monkey... But first, the week's top news. The jungle is about to be cleared out. Up to 300 are thought to live in the camp that spreads from under I-5 to the western slope of Beacon Hill in Seattle. It's long been known as a lawless hotbed of drug use and criminal activity. Violence erupted earlier this year when five were shot, two died. Earlier this month, a fire there belched toxic fumes in the air, the ground so contaminated with human waste, firefighters had to spend hours decontaminating equipment. The Union Gospel Mission will lead efforts to place jungle residents. Jeff Lilly is the UGM president. The reality is we're dealing with a difficult population that is is a little jaded about um, the services that are provided. So I think we're all aware that not all of them are going to move towards shelter. He says the residents won't necessarily go to anything associated with UGM. Providing them many, many options. So there's choices. We're going to be sitting down with each one of them individually, talking to them like they're a real person because they are. These are human beings. These are citizens in our community. And we care about them and what their dreams are. So we're going to do our best to come up with reasonable solutions. The initial outreach begins next week with the move out expected to take several weeks after that. Then hazmat crews roll in, fencing gets put up to keep the jungle from being occupied again. A week after a series of deadly shootings in Federal Way, police have made no arrests. Police say their team of homicide detectives is getting help from King County Prosecutor's Office, the ATF, FBI, and the hunt for suspects in three fatal shootings in 48 hours across the city. Kathy Schrock with Federal Way Police says a reward fund for tips leading to an arrest in the murder of 30-year-old Navy veteran Adam Gutierrez has grown. The Crime Stoppers reward has gone up to $17,000, with 16000 of it coming from private donors. That's just a really big, significant step and definitely a show of our community's commitment to uh, bringing this person to justice. If you have any information on last week's murders, you're encouraged to call police. You can also leave tips anonymously at safecityfw.com. All right, Taylor. You remember this episode of Seinfeld? Before you even play it, I remember every episode of Seinfeld. (laughs) 
Very well. Every episode, even the ones in the Seinfeld Chronicles. We're not going to go that far back. I don't think that far back. Okay. All right, Miss Bennis. I'll finish. Here's your new number. <clears throat> 646? What is this? That's your new area code. I thought 646 was just for new numbers. This is a new number. No, 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 no. It's not a new number. It's, it's, it's just a changed number. See, it's, it's not different. It's the same. Just changed. We're about to have a similar <laughs> conversation, Taylor. But it's not going to be 646. It's going to be 564. The State Utilities and Transportation Commission has voted to add 564 as an area code for Western Washington alongside 360, 425, 206, and for us two, the 253 represent... Actually, I'm a 206 guy. You live in the 253. I... I... I guess so. It's a weird little area there between Coving- between Kent and Maple Valley there in-, in Covington. We're strange folk. Strange folk. Well, it's projected that the 360 area code will run out of available numbers in 2018, and the other area codes, they're not that far behind. And because 564 will be overlaid alongside all the other Western Washington area codes, you'll have to dial all 10 digits of a phone number instead of the 7 you may dial now for local calls. This new area code, Taylor, rolls out next. So you got to imagine all the, perhaps my grandma, if Mm -hmm. she were still listening, God rest her soul, but if she had her rotary dial phone, this might be very difficult. I don't know how many rotary dial phones are out there, but all 10 digits? I got to think there's at least one or two out there. I know there's one in my mom's preschool, and it still has our (laughs) old home phone as 206 before 425 even existed. Could you give out your entire home phone number? I could, but since there's just a change in area code, I'm not going to. Washington's $211 million Dungeness crab industry being threatened by acidity. Brian Calvert joins us with a new report and its prediction. Researchers at the Northwest Fisheries Science Center found that greenhouse gas pollution will lower pH levels over the next several decades, and that will start killing off baby crabs. The report is clear to point out two things. We may not realize the full effect in our lifetime, and just like many things involving greenhouse gases, if we do something now, we may be able to prevent this. The report, published in this morning's Times, goes further. This is merely the effect on crabs. The scientists involved say it's not a very big leap to make to say the same acidity and lower pH level problem could impact salmon as well. Brian Calvert, Como News. It's delicious. That's a delicious, delicious problem. I think it's the best crop Washington has, the Dungeness crab. I know it's weird to think of it that way, but they're harvested, you know, just like wheat or apple is. I love going out crabbing. You ever go out crabbing? You know, I do. I rarely ever bring anything back because I always forget to to take out like a ruler to find out what's what's legal and not. (laughs) Yeah, they they don't take kindly to that. Yeah, so, you know, I spend a day out in a boat, rowing around, pull it up, see what I found, and then... ah, Throw it all back. That's all, yeah. That's about an inch, right? Hello, dog fans. Husky football fans, well, they're saying farewell to a legend who actually never played a down. Welcome to Husky Stadium. That's the voice of Lou Gellerman, PA announcer at Husky Stadium for the past 30 years. Gellerman has passed away at the age of 79. Now, Lou didn't play football, but he was a member of the Huskies' 1958 rowing crew. Been so much in the news, a book about them. It won a historic victory over the Soviets in the USSR back in 58. It's been a long time since Kevin Durant was a fresh-faced Seattle supersonic, but it's good to hear he's doing good things for his community in Oklahoma City. Now, KWTV reports traffic was clogged on Saturday, an ambulance stuck in the thick of it. That's when paramedic Peter Radford says a silver sports car cut in front of him and made a lane of traffic for the ambulance to speed to its emergency call. And I see this Ferrari has its flashers on, and it's actually making way for us to get through and navigate all the traffic. 
Now, he may not have won the NBA MVP this year, but Radford says Durant did a good thing this weekend. Waves to me. I, I just thought that was so cool that someone uh, like Kevin Durant would take the time to assist this emergency vehicle getting to an emergency call. Now, Durant's team faces off against the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. Notice I said Durant's team. I, I, I think I'm contractually obligated not to say <laughs> the name of the team. At least if I want to live in Seattle, I must not say yeah, that. I don't think there were many crossover fans there. <laughs> All right, Taylor, the interview. It's happening. It? It is happening. Oh, oh, it. Did we get Obama? We did not get Obama. We didn't even get close to getting Obama. We'll keep making calls. Okay. Taylor, it is the most bonkers presidential race we've ever seen. Nothing's off limits. And it seems as if President Dwayne Elizondo, Mountain Dew, Herbert Camacho may not be such a stretch in the future. And throwing some gas on the fire is a guy named Michael Wilson. A dastardly name if I've ever heard one, Charlie. He's a Hollywood producer, lives part-time in the Seattle area, and is about to film a pilot for his reality show called The Write-In. So think American Idol, only instead of voting for Sanjaya to get a record contract, you're pledging to write the winner's name on your presidential ballot in November. All right. President, this is kind of a big reality show, Michael. Tell us about the write-in. There has never been a show, let alone a reality show, that can uh, touch this. And it's all because of our history and timing and everything else. But the American people have selected, so far... Uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton and Donald Trump to be their candidates, and none of us had a say-so in it, right? I mean, none of us had a say-so in this mess. So I believe the American people need to speak out, and they're going to have an opportunity in a reality show, similar format to uh, the late uh, American Idol, The Apprentice, ooh, Trump, (laughs) Uh, The Apprentice, and they're going to select, have their opportunity to select their candidate to be a write-in for president of the United States this November. And, and so the goal is to have not necessarily the nominee for the write-in, but somebody whom you've selected as the best qualified, the best overall person to be president, somebody who would be ready to walk into the White House who would be better than Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton on day one. Absolutely. We're, we're going to our vetting. We're, we're going to we're accepting applications now. That's not a funny thing, isn't it? Now accepting applications to be POTUS, you know. Now hiring. Now presidents. hiring, and uh, we're accepting applications. Those applications, every one of them, they will be vetted, mm-hmm. and we're not worried about bankruptcies. We're not worried about home foreclosures. We're not worried about that nonsense. Oh, good, because actually some of the candidates uh, have gone oh, through that all. Uh, word. <laughs> and yes, they have, and we don't know what else. But I can, I, I can say this, that the American people are going to have their choice through a process of 20 candidates. We will, we will come up with a final 20. Are you going to require them to be, I guess, transparent to, to an extent? Are you going to have their tax returns before they even get on the show? I don't know about tax returns. That's actually irrelevant to me. But we are going to ask for their physical, uh, medical uh, background. Mm-hmm. 
Is that for like a jousting event in the middle of the show? Or? Could be. Okay. Could be. You know, yeah. let's take a shot. Oh, my goodness. You know, I mean, what are we going to do? Yeah. You know, the man's crazy. You want a crazy man? In Listen, we have no medical records of Donald Trump. We don't have any medical records of Hillary Clinton, yet we both know they're both crazy. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take a psychologist to figure that out. So where are you going to be recruiting? Like a poli-sci class or, or what? Oh, no. We're, uh, we've we put this out, and uh, uh, it, it's, any again, constitutional requirement, 35 years of age, no felony convictions, born in the United States. We'll go from there. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's going to be um, a word of mouth, political science departments, yes, people who are going to recommend but they have to apply. I can't do it for them. They have to apply. We're with Michael Wilson. He is the executive producer of The Write-In. It's your choice. The reality show upcoming. You can't say where it is, what it'll be on, but it'll be on. Everybody's going to be talking about this. They, they'll they be talking about it. We'll get our passports together. So if we have to flee the country, <laughs> we, we will. Um, no, it, they will be talking about it and they won't know how to stop it. I know you don't like Clinton. You don't like Trump. Uh, undeniably, in the 2000 election, mm-hmm. you can point at people like Eddie Vedder. You can point at people like Michael Moore for getting George W. Bush elected. Mm-hmm. In Florida, there is no doubt that people who went to the Ralph Nader side, voted for that third party, mm-hmm. denied well, a couple hundred votes between Bush and Gore. They denied Gore enough votes that Bush became president. That's right. Now, a lot of people are going to go, wow, it's a good thing that George W. Bush was elected president. You're going to get as many people saying, oh, my gosh, he shouldn't have been elected. I'm not here to say one way or the other, but are you, Michael Wilson, from the write-in, are you willing to take that risk where Clinton or Trump becomes president because of your reality show? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Now. Here's what we here's what I envision <laughs> when we started this mess. You know, so I said we. You know, I'm going to include you guys in this. Uh, oh, great! It's Taylor's <laughs> fault. 2017 is our fault. <laughs> that, though the it's Great Taylor's War fault. 2018. <laughs> he, he has the name. He has the name here. That's and right. It's Taylor's fault. No, here's here was the vision. Um, it's a race car, mm-hmm. and it's going 220 miles an hour in the front straightaway at Indianapolis, very fast. A tire is going down. Now they have, the, they have the technology today to measure that tire, knowing that it's going to go down, and they can notify the driver. The driver has to pit, take about 15 seconds at the most, change that tire, and get it back on the track. Because if they don't get that tire change, somebody's going to get hurt or killed. Okay, we're beyond that now. We have a system that is not only the air in the tires, but there's no oil. This thing is combustible. So what do I want to do? I want to throw a monkey wrench into the system. That's sort of a funny way of putting it. But we want to slow this system to, I suppose, a stop and let the people decide. Now, what that will do, it may not create a majority. It may go to the House of Representatives. We don't know. I don't really care at this point. Because the people are going to decide. They're going to, they're going to come up, I believe, with more than 10% of the vote. I really do. Um, nothing is impossible. Absolutely nothing. But what if it works? That's what? the wonderful thing about it. Yeah? Oh, gosh, yeah. All right. what, what would you be doing, right, uh, I don't know, two years from now, if, if your write-in candidate becomes president? Running for my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. <laughs> uh, 
I I will I will have more fun knowing that uh, my daughter and uh, when they have kids, uh, my grandkids and 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 you and, and your family and your family and so forth. When you have kids, Taylor and um, that they're that we did the right thing, that we did the right thing, and um, I would encourage everyone to just look at things like Kennedy's inauguration. I'm one of those characters who believes. Uh, first of all, Tom Brokaw said the World War II generation is our greatest generation right. in the modern era. Absolutely, they went through this incredible depression. No cell phones. No some. Most people didn't even have radios. No food, no jobs, nothing. No TV even nothing, existing for a while. Nothing. It didn't even come around until many years later, 20 whatever years later. And At least 1983. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's Last right. episode of MASH. Right. That's- <laughs> <laughs> and they had nothing. And when they finally, the country rebounded, the next thing you know, World War II. And they're off to fight and defend us. Yeah. Really defend us. So people have written off your generation, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't. I believe your generation is the most volatile. And if they are entitled, if they are ignorant, if they are stupid, it's because a generation above them and others allowed it. That sandwich generation, I think is what it's referred to Mm. sometimes. So I believe this millennials, the millennials are going to rally if they they do, as I believe they will, uh, put the screws to, uh, to Sanders. Uh, and I'm not I'm not even sure that Trump will be the candidate, to be honest with you. All right. Well, Michael Wilson, the write in is the show reality show. If people want to find out more, if people want to become a contestant, uh, uh, a candidate, a nominee, how do they find out more about the write in? They can uh, they can go online. Uh, it's the right T.H.E.W.R.I.T.E. Then I have a hyphen and the word in I N. Dot com, the right end dot com. All right. And, and they can apply. And what's the deadline for this? When do people need to have their information off to you? We're hoping that we have everything in the next 30 days. All right. So and we'll hold it open, in, I think, until, uh, I believe, the second week of June. All right. Well, Michael Wilson, pleasure to have you on. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you, Michael Wilson. Taylor, we spoke to Michael. Mm -hmm. You've had some time to think about it. Are you willing to, right here on the Como Water Cooler, (laughs) are you willing to announce your candidacy to be the next president of the United States? I am willing to announce that uh, for, oh, let me see here, 2026, Mm -hmm. I will have met one of those requirements to become president. 2020. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. That's when your felony goes off your record, right? Well, that and I'll be 35. Oh, that too. Yeah. Just rub it in. Hey. Well, in about six minutes, we'll continue with the presidential theme when we talk to UFO believers about why they love Hillary Clinton. Seriously. Well, it was 30 years ago that we got to know that familiar Aerosmith riff in a whole new way with the addition of Run DMC. Well, Taylor got to speak with Jeff Edgers from the Washington Post. They look back at how that collaboration changed music for decades to come. 
1986, Aerosmith had already been making music together for nearly 20 years. Run DMC, they were the kings of the hip-hop scene. But for audiences, there wasn't much bridging the gap between a song like this... And one like this... At least nothing easily found on commercial radio, that is, until... Jeff Edgers is a national arts reporter with the Washington Post, and he put together an incredible retrospective with never-before-seen pictures, video, and audio. And Jeff joins us here on Como. For my money, Jeff, Run DMC's Walk This Way still holds up 30 years later. Why do you think that is? Well, this song is, first of all, it's a great song. I mean, the original version that Aerosmith did was, was pretty amazing in itself. And the remake is one of those rare opportunities where somebody doesn't screw it up. I mean, it's high energy. It's really entertaining. And for me, a kid in the suburbs in, you know, 1986, it basically introduced me to a form of music, rap or hip hop or whatever you want to call it, that I didn't know that well. So it, it, it changed things. It really did. You were a kid in the suburbs in the 80s. I was a kid in the suburbs in the 90s. And I, you know, 10 years later, that song was still sort of a nice way to introduce you to whatever else was going on. 1986 was kind of right at the beginning of a real influential time for hip hop. Yeah, you had, I mean, Run DMC was popular. They were doing well. I remember seeing one of their videos, King of Rock, before Walk This Way. But the fact is, rock radio, mainstream rock radio, just simply did not play rap. They abided by the playlist. And having Aerosmith, which you can't get whiter and more classic Rocky than Aerosmith, having them collaborate really opened that door. And look, it's not really about uh, you know being uh, prejudiced or racist or whatever. For radio programmers, for entertainers, it's about you know money. I mean, that's the, that's the color they know, green. And once that song hit number four, they knew the formula which was, you know, rap is going to be listened to by the mainstream. So all that stuff you probably heard in the 90s, whether you liked it or not, whether you like Limp Biscuit or you like Kid Rock, I don't know if that would have existed in the same form uh, without this revolutionary song. I wonder what it did for some of the emerging hip-hop and rap artists. I would imagine there was kind of a blitz on that section of the record store after Walk This Way dropped. Well, the question is, when would it have happened? Uh, you know, we have Lior Cohen who became a music mogul and then was a road manager for Run DMC, saying he was frustrated that Walk This Way was done because he felt like the levy, as he called it, was breaking. He felt like hip-hop was already going to cross over, so they didn't need to do what he felt was, was a cheap thing and you know use this, this white uh, rock song to cross over. But I'm not sure. The fact is, Public Enemy, N.W.A., you can go on and on, De La Soul. I'm sure that those groups would have found a mainstream audience. I just don't know if they would have found it in 1989 or if it would have taken until 1992 or 1991. I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. What did it do for Aerosmith? They're obviously still on the road these days, but they weren't exactly young pups there in the mid-'80s. Well, I loved Aerosmith as a 14-year-old kid. I saw their tour in 1984 when it rambled around, but they were coming off what was supposed to be a, uh, a really you know, big record done with mirrors that was supposed to revive them. 
and it didn't. Um, it, it was considered kind of a commercial flop, and they were on drugs, and they were not in, in a position to take over as, as rock heroes again. And what that song did is it revived their careers as commercial players, but also, um, and I talk about it in the article, they actually used Walk This Way for a drug intervention. They told Steven Tyler, who needed to have an intervention done, uh, that he had to do an interview with the BBC so they could get him into the offices early, early in the morning before he was using. And then they intervened, and they cleaned him up, and they cleaned all the guys up. And what happened next was permanent vacation, which was bigger than anything they'd done in the 70s. So you can make a decent argument that you know Walk This Way really saved them, too. Jeff Edgers is a national arts reporter from the Washington Post and is uh, with us here on Como talking about Run DMC's Walk This Way, or their take on Aerosmith's Walk This Way, 30 years after it was published. Jeff, we hear the word revolution applied to this song quite often. What do the critics mean by that? When is the revolution? Is it when Louis Armstrong plays his trumpet on West End Blues? Is it when Elvis Presley you know, goes on Ed Sullivan? Is it when the Beatles land? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I'd say that you can put this right up there with all of those sort of iconic moments, and it's really important. And it must be if we're still talking about it 30 years later. Uh, finally, Jeff, while I have you on the line, any guesses on how many Aerosmith albums may have been scratched to ruins by people trying to recreate that Run DMC sound on their own? I tried to scratch, and I actually showed my kid, uh, who's six, I showed him the video, and he has a little turntable, and he saw the, the scratching, and he said, oh, how, how do I do that? And I just thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have shown him that. Now we're in trouble, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of a Pandora's box. Again, that's Jeff Edgers with us here on Como, national arts correspondent for The Washington Post, the exclusive inside story and oral history of Walk This Way. That's available now on WashingtonPost.com. Taylor, I've gotten to that age, by the way, where I'm able to say, I remember when. <laughs> and where were you? I, I was, what, about 11 years old, 12 okay. years old when that song, I think when it really hit, I was probably about 12. Mm -hmm. And that would come on MTV. My my buddies and I uh, go into Westgate Elementary. Nice. We would watch this. We were in Edmonds. We'd watch this on TV and MTV, of course. What's the M stand for in that channel these days? Maybe not music. Ah. Maybe not music. But, yeah, you know, that was one of those things where you sort of go, oh, this, this rap music, maybe it's not just a fad. Yeah, well, you know, as I said in the story, I was a kid in the 90s. And, yeah. and so I, I missed the initial drop of the song, but it was still it was still so strong, had such staying power mm -hmm. that really was, you know, still something you heard on the radio from time to time. All right, well, still to come. You like potato. I like potato. Jeff Podula talks about how healthy potatoes are, or, well, maybe they aren't. They're delicious, no matter what he says, though. Hey, uh, Taylor, mm. sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Could, could you hand me my safety goggles? Okay. They're right over there. Uh, you should put some on, too. I wear glasses. Is it that time, though? Yeah. Uh, let me pull out my pickaxe here. Careful with that thing, sir. Watch out, man. I'm just trying to chip off a huge grain of salt. Okay, then, Charlie, with that bit of healthy skepticism, on to our next story. If she's elected president, Secretary Hillary Clinton says she will release all the information she possibly can on UFOs, including whatever is behind closed doors at the famed Air Force site Area 51. It's a fully stocked fridge. I'm convinced of that. What's inside, I don't know. But Como's Pete Combs has been talking with members of the UFO community to find out what they think of Clinton's promise. 
it's full of um, uh, alien bodies and fresca. 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 Okay, what about Tab? Uh, yeah. I think Tab would be there. Peter Davenport runs the National UFO Reporting Center in Davenport, Washington. For more than 40 years, the center has tracked close encounters of all kinds, but in just about every instance, those reports have been poo-pooed, discounted, or stymied altogether by the government. But perhaps the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee will change all that. Hillary Clinton has reportedly said if elected, she'll open the files on Area 51 and open up as much as she can from the government's UFO stash. You'd think Davenport and his fellow ufologists would be thrilled at that promise. They're not. Well, my suspicion is it's little more than a campaign ploy. A ploy? No, we've heard this before. My suspicion is she's trying to gain votes from the community of people who are interested in the UFO phenomenon, hoping they'll hang on tenter's hooks, expecting her to open the files. I don't think that's going to happen. Why not? This is a subject so sensitive to the U.S. government that I question whether they're ever going to open the files they no doubt have on UFOs. And Davenport says that's a shame, not just on a national level, but here at home in the Pacific Northwest. You remember the term flying saucer? Well, that was coined after a highly experienced, well-respected rescue pilot spotted a formation of disc-like lights sailing through the sky near Mount Rainier. That was back in 1947. For decades, Davenport himself has been documenting UFO encounters. If there was one such encounter he wants to research above all others, should Secretary Clinton make good on her promise, what would that be? One file I would want to know about or would want to read is the radio communication between an F-15 pilot over Phoenix and his base at Luke Air Force Base on the night of March 13, 1997. It was huge, by all accounts, probably on the order of at least eight miles wide. And I would like to hear the radio communication, the actual tape, of what that pilot had to report to his base commander. Davenport says the nation's defense posture was suddenly upgraded on that night 19 years ago from DEFCON 5, the lowest, to DEFCON 3. That means the Air Force was ready to mobilize with just 15 minutes warning, and it's only two steps away from nuclear war. Davenport says he's skeptical that we'll see anything of substance from Hillary Clinton regarding UFOs, and he says that's perhaps not necessarily a bad thing. Whether we're ready for this news or not, I can't say, Pete. I, I am skeptical of that. I'm, I think that it's going to be a frightening revelation to many people to discover that we have uh, appear to have aliens visiting our planet. So where does that leave us? Davenport says he's pretty sure the truth is out there, but he says we probably won't hear it anytime soon, no matter who wins the election. Pete Combs, Como News. All right, listen, as always, excellent reporting by Pete. Yes. Love Pete. Hmm. Uh, love love those guys who are so into the UFOs, but I haven't yeah, I knew that butt was coming. <laughs> that big old butt. Yes. And here's my big old butt. There is no possible way that Bigfoot is real, mm. that UFOs are real, and I can prove it to you right now. Taylor, I hold in my hand what? That's a, that's a smartphone. It's a smartphone. Something like 75% of all Americans have one of these. Right. A smartphone. And you're telling me over the past decade in which they've become so popular, not a single person has been able to get 
an authentic video of a UFO or Bigfoot? Let me pose this question yes. to you. When was the last time you saw a picture of Richard Simmons? It's been a while. It's been at least three weeks. So, at least for three weeks, Bigfoot can stay out of the spotlight, if Richard Simmons can. So, I say, I pose to you, that uh, that friendly northwest woodland uh, ape is just a shy guy. He's found a nice place to to live out what apparently is eternity, because the guy doesn't age and doesn't have any mates. Are you saying that Richard Simmons was in Harry and the Hendersons? No, that's uh, that's that guy from Third Rock from the Sun, the other alien. Space, the final frontier. Taylor, what? it's been 50 years since Star Trek arrived on TV screens and 16 years since Paul Allen's EMP first opened. Now, Como's Corwin Hank reports the two have joined forces to present a fascinating collection of artifacts. Fascinating. From the 23rd century and beyond. EMP's new exhibit explores a half century of strange new worlds, and curator Brooks Peck says it celebrates a future we all hope will come someday. Star Trek is, it's not a fantasy world in a way, it's about us. It's about a possible future where we've overcome war, we've overcome poverty, we've overcome our inability to get along. Star Trek Exploring New Worlds gathers an impressive array of props, costumes, ships, and artwork from the original series featuring Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, including some rare acquisitions. There are only two phasers left in the world from the original series, and I did not think I'd be able to borrow one, but then at the last minute it came together. Also on display, artifacts from the four other Trek series and the many feature films. Fans can step into an interactive booth and record themselves as Kirk yelling at his enemy from Star Trek II, The Wrath of... Gone! Another interactive exhibit allows you to transport yourself. Scotty, energize. Or at least to create that illusion. Exploring new worlds reminds us Star Trek has profoundly influenced culture and technology. Flip phones that resemble the show's handheld communicators are just one example. Then moving on to things like tablet computers, you saw those showing up uh, starting in the next generation era. And now we're all walking around with those things. What's next? Peck says scientists are now working to develop the kind of device Bones McCoy would use to diagnose disease on the run. Just like the medical tricorders seen on the show. But mostly this is an exhibit for Trekkies young and old to gawk at Klingon uniforms, surprisingly massive miniatures of Starfleet vessels, and exist for a day in the world of the future. I mean, what else after 50 years is going that strong? And and I think in another 50 years we will still be watching Star Trek, definitely. Corwin Hake, Como News. Star Trek Exploring New Worlds opens this weekend at EMP. Leonard Nimoy's story. I'm going to go totally off-roading here. Okay. Leonard Nimoy's story. Let me share you with one of our beloved Como family members, the late, great Ken Schramm. Oh, very familiar with him. I'm at a party. Mm-hmm. Ken Schramm has uh, had had a beverage or two. <laughs> okay. And Ken is having a good time. Yeah. Ken loved to have a good time. And, and, and we're talking, and he goes, uh, Charlie, you like the Star Trek, don't you? I, I go, like it. I love it. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Trekkie. I love all things start. He goes, mm-hmm. well, I'll have you know, Charlie, that back in late 60s, after the Star Trek show, Leonard Nimoy used his money. I'm not making this up, Taylor. You're looking at me incredulously right now. Leonard Nimoy used his money to buy an exotic pet store. Really? He bought an exotic where you could buy, you know, strange lizards, maybe different types of turtles. Uh, but in this case, he also sold monkeys. And Ken Schramm, mm-hmm. 
if he's to believe, be believed, his wife, his beautiful wife Sandy, has backed this up to me. Ken Schramm bought a monkey from <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> he walked around with a pet monkey back in the late '60s. Uh-huh. He had a pet. Mo- I'm, I'm just imagining right now, Shrammy. With a monkey. You know, I, I get this picture in my mind of the actual Shrammy, the bobblehead Shrammy yeah. in, in our trophy case with now a, a clay monkey on its back. It's a real chick magnet. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> it's much like Ken Shram, a real chick right. magnet. Ah, uh, Shrammy. Well, speaking of monkeys, Charlie recently reported on a high-speed car chase that wound up with a guy running away with his monkey. Everybody's got something to It's a terrible idea to drive more than 100 miles per hour on the freeway. But that's what the State Patrol clocked a guy doing this morning. Moments later, Captain Brian Howard of the Burien PD. We received several reports of a car crash at the off-ramp at 128th and State Route 509. Fast driver fled, but witnesses say he must have had pangs of conscience and remembered the motto, I'm just making up, leave no monkey behind. And they reported that Someone had jumped from the car and began to run away, but then they returned to the car to retrieve their pet monkey. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but it's awfully hard to hide when you literally have a monkey on your back. So our officers were able to find him. He kind of stood out uh, nearby and uh, detained him since he fled the scene of an accident. With his monkey. So what happened to the little fella? So we called Animal Control, and in consultation with them, ended up releasing the monkey to the man's mother who came to the scene. Now, let me ask you this. Are those words that you thought would ever come out of your mouth? No. Listen, I I know you have a very serious job day in, day out. Are, Are you guys able to just kind of look at each other and laugh when you hear about something like this? What's it like at the station? Absolutely. I mean, this really lightened our day up. We've had a really busy week, some critical incidents, and to have uh, the monkey incident occur makes it a lot of fun. And uh, I'm not certain, but typically the officers involved in these kind of uh, calls get a lot of razzing from their partners for sometimes weeks or months to come. So it wouldn't surprise me to see stuffed monkeys uh, laying around the station in people's mailboxes and that sort of thing. Charlie Harger, Como News. A side of mashed potatoes or french fries has been a mainstay of American cuisine, but your favorite subterranean starchy vegetable may not be as good for you as once thought. Como's Jeff Pogula has more. One potato, two potatoes, three potatoes, four. You probably remember this nursery rhyme from your childhood. But the larger the number of potatoes, the worse your blood pressure, at least according to a new study. Researchers at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston found that a higher intake of potatoes, specifically boiled, baked, mashed, or fried, comes with a much higher risk of hypertension, as much as 17%. Oddly enough, though, the same didn't hold true for potato chips. But the study does have a few problems. For example, it compared having four servings of potatoes a week to just having one a month. A big difference. And it relied on self-reported diagnoses of high blood pressure rather than actual doctor records. Nevertheless, it's an interesting starting point for the study of spuds. You're welcome, Dan Quayle. Jeff Pogelik, Como News. Well, listen. How did Jeff get the potato assignment this week? Jeff is our potato expert. If, okay. there's, if, if there's a hash brown story, uh-huh. he's on it. If there's a French fry fire, 
Mm-hmm. Jeff well, is sent to it immediately. He is a native of Central Washington, so they, they he, know he their must taters. be familiar. Yeah, yeah. So Jeff, uh, keep up the good potato work. <laughs> uh, maybe he can bring us some clear vodka. Yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the better things that potatoes. We'll have make. to yeah, we'll we'll have to talk to Jeff about yeah. that. Hash browns, latkes, latkes, and vodka. They they don't go together normally, but when you're talking potatoes, anything's possible when you're talking potatoes. Anything. And thank you for listening to this, the first episode of the Como News Cooler. Time for us to cut out of here. Did you have a good time, Taylor? You know, better than I thought I would. Yeah, I did too. I think we should do this again. Well, we'll try. The news is always happening. It's always on our website, comonews.com. It's always live on the air, Como AM 1000, FM 97.7, and of course through the app and web streaming. Also, we have Semaphore, Smoke Signal, everything you need to know coming soon carbon copy i guess <laughs> absolutely hey listen uh, we want you to join us next week for our next episode of the como water cooler our guests won't be president obama henry kissinger and frank stallone won't be won't be that's a little misleading all right 